0: This week on Geek Explained, Volume Five of the podcast kicks off with a month-long series on Marvel's Mary Mutants. Alongside some incredible guests, I'll be taking you on an uncanny tour through Westchester, the island of Krakoa, and beyond. Welcome back to X May. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host Eric Azana, and today's episode is part one of X May 2022, our now annual tradition where I dedicate the entire month of May to the X-Men. And also, it's our first episode of Volume Five. We took a whole month off. I have never done that since I started recording this podcast, and oh boy, did I need it! Uh, I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who checked in. following the release of episode 200. Uh, It meant the world to me. Literally. It really did. Um, I was in a tough place mentally I think when that uh, that episode dropped and I am so immensely proud of that episode. Huge thank you to everyone who has just been heaping praise on that episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was amazing. I had a great time pitching my Batman Beyond film and apparently it resonated with a bunch of you. So thank you so much for doing that. But I, I said at the end of that episode that I needed to take some time off that I had been feeling a little bit of burnout and that I needed to recharge and I took the entire month of April to do that and so... I'm feeling recharged. I'm feeling ready to go. I am feeling ready to get this train rolling. And what better time than kicking off our month-long X-May extravaganza. Uh, This entire month, I'm going to be bringing in some wonderful guests to chat about the X-Men. And we're kicking things off with a very exciting pair of guests. This week, we are joined by Lisa and Brad Gullickson of the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast to discuss the best ex-couples. I brought my top five, Brad and Lisa brought their top five, and we're going to be breaking them all down for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of a shake-up when it comes to the normal segments. Uh, No news this month. There's a ton of stuff that happened while I was gone. I am kind of catching up on all of it, and this month I want to just make it real straightforward. So we're going to be doing the main podcast. We're going to be jumping straight from this intro into the main course, and then after that I'll be doing the comics catch-up, and then we'll be doing a wrap-up. So stay tuned for all of that after the jump, but... Right now, we're going to roll right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I am joined by Brad and Lisa Gullickson of the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast to kick off X-May 2022 by ranking the best X couples The X-Men are weird and kind of horny sometimes and maybe not more than sometimes, maybe a lot of times. And due to their vast history over the decades, lots of X-Men have, you know, hooked up. Lots of relationships, lots of breakups, divorces in some cases, undivorces in other cases. The romantic history of the X-Men is as winding as a episode of Days of Our Lives. And in this episode, for X-May 2022, we're going to be diving into the best X couples in the history of X-Men comics. And of course, I am not alone for this discussion. I am incredibly, incredibly excited to bring in our guests for this week. You know them as the power couple of comic book podcasting brad and lisa gullickson from the comic book couples counseling podcast welcome brad and lisa hello thank you so
1: much for having us this yeah. is so fun already yeah, yeah. i'm
0: really We're excited. excited power couple lisa
1: i know uh, starting with the flattery always means like okay this is great i'm having a good
0: time <laughs> always lead with compliments especially if they're true mm-hmm So for our listeners, can you give us a little breakdown on what Comic Book Couples Counseling is all about?
2: Yeah, first off, how dare you not know who we are? We're a mega corporation. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no one knows who we are. Yes, uh, we're Brad and Lisa Gullickson of Comic Book Couples Counseling. And what we do every week is we pair a comic book couple Uh, usually iconic but not always with a self-help relationship guide so we recently just wrapped up marco and alana from saga such a sad series but (laughs) a lot to deal with there and because it's such a sad series we used helen russell's book how to be sad as our guide and you know helen russell's book is all about Destigmatizing sadness and how sadness is not a negative emotion. It's just a human emotion and we have to embrace it and manage it like anything else. And, you know, in doing those kinds of conversations, uh, it really helps us figure out our own inner lives and it helps us better our relationship. As a couple, as a married couple. How'd I do, Lisa? Nailed it. Thank Nailed you. it. All right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if you're looking for introspection, if you're looking for a deeper look at some of the characters that you might already love, their podcast is incredible. I would recommend starting at the beginning and listening to every episode at least twice.
1: <laughs> starting at the beginning makes me nervous. <laughs> it took us a little while to become peak podcast. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I I love, because my my first episode with your podcast was, of course, the Scott and Jean stuff and our first episode exactly and i am very clearly a cyclops fan as anyone who has listened to this podcast would know because i can't stop talking about him i i love the perspectives that both of you bring to characters it makes me not just appreciate characters more but rethink and recontextualize a lot of the stuff that i do like or don't like about these characters like Scott's not a Scott may not be a good husband even though he's a sometimes a great ex-leader he is uh he's kind of a he's a poor dad and he, you know he's kind of he's kind of a bad person a lot of the times too <laughs> he, he, you know he's working on it he's working, he's on, working it. on it we're all a work in progress
2: i love scott Summers. i will say that those early episodes our first four episodes which were on scott and gene those are the only episodes that have ever elicited a severely negative review of our podcast because of our opinion on scott summers we
1: came down pretty hard on (laughs) scott summers
0: you did it was it was harsh but fair (laughs) I thought so. <laughs> I thought. as as someone who is regularly assaulted on twitter for my love of cyclops it was harsh but fair I, <laughs> and, and he's, he's not a good person sometimes
2: i would also put myself in the camp of pro cyclops like i love cyclops <laughs> but there are things in those storylines that we covered in the dark phoenix saga in particular mm-hmm. uh and well no really in the x factor issues yeah I mean you know he does some bad stuff it's bad
0: (laughs) but yeah i honestly i've also loved kind of the progression the stuff that you've gone through for each couple if you if you have to listen listeners before we get into this i know i'm I'm gushing about this podcast right now but just give me a second i have to recommend the silver surfer episodes those are my that's my favorite series so far the last episode in that series got me crying in the car outside of the grocery store. I'm like, I can't, I need, I need a second. I have to go get eggs, but I'm not ready to do that yet. It's, it's incredible. If you should listen to all of their episodes, but especially those episodes, for sure.
1: Those episodes are very special because uh, that is my all time favorite superhero couple, Noren Rad and Don Greenwood. I waited until peak podcast to cover (laughs) that series. So I'm so glad that you love it because it means a lot to me. I mean,
2: those comics were the reason we started the podcast Mm -hmm. because we thought, oh, we should do a podcast where we just discuss Noren and Don. Yeah. But then we were like, well, how do we do that without sucking? Well, let's suck (laughs) for like a whole year.
1: (laughs) Let's start with some ex-couples. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but genuinely listening to the first episode of that got me to read those comics. Yeah. And so I, I will always credit both of you for getting me into one of the best series I've ever read.
1: Yeah. That's the best possible result. Yeah. To be, get more people reading more comics.
0: Honestly, that like really makes me feel proud
2: to hear that. So
0: thank absolutely, you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like to, you know, I've been doing this podcast for a little while and any time that I am surprised by recommendation and instantly yeah. fall in love with it, like, it's the most magical feeling. hmm So before we get into everything, I would love to know, Brad, Lisa, how were each of you introduced to the X-Men? Well, I
2: mean... I, I can't remember the exact issue, although I have a feeling that it was Uncanny X-Men 275, the gatefold cover with Jim Lee, where you know it was the X-Men uh, with the Shi'ar Empire. I think that might have been my first issue, but I didn't really fall in love with the X-Men until I started exploring the back issues with those early X-Factor comics, the, when Louise Simonson came on board, really?
1: I first experienced the X-Men through the cinematic universe. I did not grow up reading comic books. Um, <laughs> I didn't start reading comic books until I was in college, and I discovered that I had a, a thing for nerd boys. <laughs> and so um, I think that I saw, I saw the X-Men films out of order, I think, think and the one i saw had like it's the one that ended up getting a rogue cut i think i can't remember
2: (laughs) days of future past no that can't be right it has to be like
1: way before that what came out in like the like the 2000 the early aughts
2: well i mean the early aughts were like uh, what 2001 or was it the year 2000 was x-men yeah i think it was 2000 then there was x2 and then there was X-Men, The Last Stand, the best one, right, everybody?
1: (laughs) My timeline doesn't work out. I don't know if everybody wants to hear it. Or was it the
2: first class X-Men with um, McAvoy and Fassbender?
1: You know what? I might not remember my own life, but it (laughs) it was definitely the cinematic universe. And then later, um, when Brad and I were married, we started a book club, and our very first book was The Astonishing X-Men Book One. Nice. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And and you responded pretty severely to the the X Men immediately through all the kissy kissy stuff.
1: Oh yeah, I love a kissing book. <laughs> yeah. And I and I I didn't know I, before I started really getting into comic books, I did not know that it was just a soap opera. Yeah. And,
2: and and if I'm being honest, it's the soap opera of X Factor that was the most interesting element. I didn't care about Cameron Hodge yeah, no. or Apocalypse <laughs> or any of that stuff. I wanted to know if Gene and Scott were going to get together and if Madeline was going to be sad forever.
1: It was just like a, you know, a toy box full of Barbies and which ones are we going to make kiss?
2: Yeah. I mean, gender politics being what they were when I was a kid this was like a safe way for me to do soap
1: operas. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: For sure. Without my and
2: dad mocking me, although he did mock me.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's what dads are for, in a way, I think. But speaking of soap operas, let's go ahead and dive into these lists. I have I have brought five. I have brought five. I am really excited because we we talked a little bit off mic about, yeah, there might be crossover, but we we all are gonna have them ranked differently, I'm pretty sure. So I will go ahead. I'll I'll kick things off. Get us going here. At mine number five, I have uh, Mystique and Destiny, mm. which I feel, especially like recently, has been getting a lot of love from all of the Hickman stuff that's been going on. The dedication of Mystique to get Mystique or to get Mystique to get Destiny back through the Resurrection Protocols has been kind of her driving her driving motivation through the Krakoa era and there's something about their relationship that I really adore I think Destiny is also as a person the probably the only stable thing in Mystique's life so i i really appreciate their relationship i love how much they sell it as well they don't shy away from it they've never like oh they're just really good friends and i i just i kind of adore them Uh, my favorite stories that involve them obviously they got a lot of play in the uh, claremont x-men run that's kind of where i was introduced to them as a couple and I also would definitely recommend uh, Hickman's X-Men and Inferno run. So that's my number five. That's a really strong pick. And it's a
2: couple that Lisa and I have discussed covering on the podcast yet. We haven't done so. The recent handling of them in the Krakoan era has been really phenomenal. And I would say like, honestly, Probably the best relationship of the modern X Men era because so much of the modern X Men era has been so plot driven. There hasn't been a ton of melodrama or relationship melodrama the way that like Chris Claremont would execute the stories and characters. And I've missed that a little bit with the Krakow Cohen era, even though I really do adore Hickman's run on those comics. And so, yeah, what you see with Destiny and Mystique in those current books, especially how it climaxes with Inferno, that's some of the most satisfying
0: melodrama
2: of modern X-Men comics, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. Totally agree. I don't think they were ever like a top five for me until this Krakoan era, because at their best, the X-Men are a soap opera. and. Yeah really mystique's whole mission during this time has been peak like days of our lives all my children like i just want my wife back and i i adore it for sure so turning it over to you your top or your number five please
1: our number five is a couple that's already come up i think that if this was not a collective list brad would perhaps have this higher
2: Mm. Uh, absolutely but i also wanted to get them out of the way
1: (laughs) Um, And so our number five is Scott and Gene um, with a lot of caveats.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I love caveats.
2: If it's not the first comic couple that I fell in love with as a child, it's the second. I can't remember if I read uh, X Factor before Amazing Spider-Man. This would have been the early nineties era. And for whatever reason, I became deeply invested in what was going on when Jean Grey was resurrected in those early X-Factor issues and Scott was married to Madeline. And Scott leaves Madeline and his child uh, almost the second he learns that Jean is back. And when he finally gets back with Jean, it's not like he can just like fall back into their old relationship, even though Jean really wants to because her memory is you know it's not like she wakes up and it was like the dark phoenix saga was yesterday and and so she was expecting to just like you know let's carry on with our relationship and not so fast scott's now married with children and i was so engaged with the turmoil of that weird relationship uh that i i like i chose sides and i immediately chose sides with scott and gene and now I I I feel so bad for Madeline. I would I would be on Team Madeline before Goblin Queen stuff.
1: I also am currently very invested in the idea of Scott and Jean and Wolverine as a thruple, and I think a lot of fans are where I'm at. Where it's just like, just be upfront with it. They're all sharing a living space. We want to see it. Just give give me the triad.
0: absolutely i mean when they released like the what was it the the blueprint Mm -hmm. of their little summer's home and everyone came out saying look their rooms are adjoined this is there is a reason behind this i think there was a a vast majority of people who we were just like yeah like that makes all the sense in the world
1: but historically the x-men have always kind of tiptoed around less conventional couples kind of doing a little fan service but like you know like let's preserve you know the dignity I guess of the X-Men or yeah, whatever. Like
2: the company would never allow for where the writers and the artists possibly want to take the characters. And, so you had that- a lot of subtlety and teasing. that, that teasing and
1: that teasing is really intriguing and and um captivating yeah. captivating but sure. um at the same time it's, it feels cowardly
0: yeah oh totally well and they also you know in true soap opera fashion like they love their love triangles mm-hmm. like Scott Jean uh Wolverine Scott Jean Emma I mean, we have Scott Jean Psylocke for that period. That was really weird and slightly uncomfortable for everyone. Uh, it was, it's, it's really fascinating to see kind of in to your point, like how much that has progressed since then. And I, I, I think it's one of those things that they actually need to spend some time on because I think it could yeah. be fascinating for all three of those characters.
2: I feel like the threpple is the natural evolution of that, three-way relationship that has been there you know since Claremont has been there I
1: think uh, uh it's clear that monogamy has never been something that Scott and Jean could maintain in a way <laughs> that was um and uh, like eudonomic. it didn't um you know it didn't uh, cultivate their happiness mm-hmm. to be monogamous and I think opening up their relationship might be the stability they're looking for.
2: And, you know, if you go to Grant Morrison's run on New X-Men and the way that that run ends with this very strange and uncomfortable, like Gene passing the, the relationship <laughs> torch <laughs> post-death to Scott and Emma. Yeah, I, I, I think there's there's a way to handle all that awkwardness and develop it into their open relationshipness
1: yeah yeah polyamory yeah it's an option
2: yeah
0: absolutely we're we're just one white room away from polyamory (laughs) for them yes but so we will move on to number four my number four i think is a popular one one that is brought up a lot and is uh one that I've kind of, I've wanted to root for for a really long time, even though everything gets thrown in front of them. Kitty Pride and Piotr Rasputin. Shadowcat and Colossus, they're, they are literally the couple that you know who are like, God, they're just, they're really perfect for each other, but they just keep getting in each other's own way. And I kind of love that about them. They're also the best example, I think, of a long-term storytelling when it comes to their relationship. It's long-term booking. In pro wrestling terms, like it is they they plant the seeds, they let it play out. They started in the Claremont era and it's a little, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'll be transparent. It's a little weird when you take into account the age difference. But Once they are both consenting adults, uh, it gets a little less weird. And they are really sweet with each other. They might have, I I haven't tallied it, but they might have possibly the most breakups in Mm X-Men couple history. They're, They're tied with Scott and Jean, I feel like. And they are two people who I adore separately and two people who I adore together. The fact that both of them continue to run into each other even after both of them have seemingly died multiple times is also... It's one of those feels-like-it's-meant-to-be kind of situations. I really... If you want to check out more of them, I really enjoy their... Like I said, their burgeoning romance in the Uncanny X-Men Claremont run. There are... And I have to... Also give caveats here, I recognize that there are a lot of problems when it comes to creatives behind this, but I adore Astonishing X-Men. It's, it's one of the best examples, even though they do kind of play fast and loose with Kitty's characterization during that run. The scene where she sees him again for the first time. I will never not get chills reading it. So uh, number four, uh, Kitty Pride and gutter Sputin for me.
2: Well, that's a really good pick. And we're going to go ahead and just piggyback off of it and, and name them as our number four couple as well. Oh, awesome. With caveats. Yes. Yeah, that
1: that <laughs> astonishing X-Men run. I had experienced the X-Men in the cinematic universe in a very haphazard, out-of-order way. And I, and I loved that run so very much, with caveats. But I did it did intrigue me, this idea of, like, a superhero team with a ton of sexual tension. Yes. yes. And, and that
2: sequence <laughs> you mentioned, where she does see Peter alive again, I think is so well executed. Uh, the sequential storytelling of those two pages like really hits hard and whether you're a new reader like lisa was or a a long time reader like i was it communicates the loss of time in kitty's expression right absolutely Uh, and 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 then when they are kind of like re remaking their relationship after his return and all of its uncomfortableness uh, and awkwardness, I think is also very, very relatable in a lot of ways. The the problem with comics and and characters who have stories that are being told over decades with many, many hundreds, hundreds (laughs) of storytellers steering them is that often characters will be taken to a place And you get to that place and they do something and you're like, well, can...
1: That does not fulfill my expectation.
2: Not only does that fulfill my expectation, but it takes them in a direction that they can never return from unless we like hard ignore that something has happened. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I don't know if we can ever go back to Kitty and Peter after the wedding. Yeah. (laughs) It is one of the most brutal thanks but no thanks sequences but at the same time I kind of like how Kitty has developed in the Marauders era the Krakoan era Totally agree her exploring her sexuality in a new way and I want I want more stories of that ilk and now seeing her relationship with Peter's sister you know magic kind of developing maybe in a different direction, a more Mm -hmm. romantic direction. I'm into it, even though it's a little weird given the history of all these characters. But at the same time, that little weirdness fits perfectly in line with X-Men comics. Yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. And Kitty has always kind of been, and Kate now, has always been this character who has, from her inception, been almost the audience in, yeah. for for the X-Men and so making her this person who Kitty Kitty Pride's insecurity has always spoken to me on a spiritual level and mm-hmm. having her and Peter I mean the the wedding was absolutely brutal. I I remember everyone, you know, up in arms about the Tom King Batman Catwoman wedding. And I was like, <laughs> "Do you not see like I i i was i was very upset about that but i do like how they've both developed well i like how kate's developed since then um colossus that poor boy has not had the best things happen to him or happen by his own hand uh since then but i i think the smartest thing that they've done in this krakon era is kind of keep them apart because you get to see what they're like without each other. I do really love Kate's burgeoning relationship with Magic. Because, I mean, they've always been close. Yeah. And having that develop and Kitty exploring her sexuality has always been really interesting. Because she she had that flirtation slash will-they-won't-they they with Rachel. Rachel Summers for a, a good while. Either that or I had been completely misreading that friendship. But I, I don't know, I, I really enjoy them as separate characters as much as I enjoy them as a couple. So it's, it's, it's an easy pick on the list for me.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's where I am now. Like, I've really enjoyed the relationship. And they rank high on my list because we lived with them as a possible couple for so long. But once the phasing of the (laughs) wedding ring happened, which was... Incredibly brilliant. And I like, how did <laughs> oh, I not yeah. see it coming? How can you resist the idea of phasing as the rig gets put on? Oh, right,
1: right.
2: Like so clever.
0: Incredible art.
2: Yeah.
1: Brutal,
0: brutal. Super brutal. But hey, Rogan Rebby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: that's right. My good friends. They go like we are having a party anyway. So
0: might as well. Yeah. So it, it's mama Mia all over again. <laughs> um <laughs> So jumping over to number three, I have talked about this couple at length, both on and off the podcast, Logan and Aurora Monroe. I really love them together. Um, If you go back a little bit in the archives, we did a uh, Valentine's special called The Ex-Wives of Wolverine, and of course... Not to spoil that, but she, that couple ranked fairly high on the list. But I, I just, I really like them. Th- they are truly what the long game is. You see them both introduced in Giant Sized. Well, we'll a little bit before that, but as an X-Man, he is introduced in Giant Sized. And you see them, I don't want to say necessarily Jim and Pamet from The Office, but they are co-workers who eventually develop a deep relationship and respect for each other. And their friendship, goes throughout this entire history of the X-Men from that point and what I love so much about this relationship as opposed to every other relationship that Logan has had both long and short term is that Aurora is someone who isn't defined by her relationship with Logan and a lot of the pitfalls of Wolverine's relationships with women in his comic book history is oh You know, is this person dead? How long did they last with Wolverine? And I did a joke where I had one of my criteria in that extra episode was, you know, their relationship, how well it went, are they dead? And (laughs) it was a, it was fascinating to go through and see just how many people he's been with who have, unfortunately, passed on. But the fact that Aurora is someone who is steadfast and is her own person in her own right apart from Logan makes me fall in love with them as a couple even more because sometimes with relationships some of the best relationships I've ever seen have been with two people who are completely okay as individuals but they're incredible as a couple and that's something that I think applies here unfortunately because of how comic books are the couple isn't meant to last because that's just how relationships are in comic books especially in the X-Men but for the time that they get. I really, really dig them. Um, I liked how that relationship developed in the Wolverine and the X-Men run. That was... I I love and adore that run so much. And even though it, of course, again, ended in tragedy because it's the X-Men. What do you expect? I really liked the callback to it in the Krakowin era during uh, Ten of Swords with the... Oh, I want to say it was Wolverine number seven, seven or eight, something like that, where they're... In the tournament, they are matched up against each other and they just get to have a drinking night on the town and kind of rekindle that flame. Um, I also really love how when Aurora and uh, T'Challa split up, T'Challa is adamant that she doesn't hook up with Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know that there's something real there.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a great moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it so much. And so that that's my number three.
2: That's a really strong couple, but one that hasn't been too sticky in my mind. Mm -hmm. I I often have to be reminded of their romantic history. And it would be fun to explore them on our podcast at some point, I think. I mean, I
0: I loved the what if stuff that you did where oh, hey, you know, Wolverine and Jean get married and maybe they're more stable than Scott and Jean are. So I, I would be super into that. Oh, man, that what if wedding <laughs> album issue is so wild. <laughs> if you have not read the what if
2: wedding album issue listeners, do yourself a favor and then come back to us with your opinions on Scott Summers.
1: <laughs> OK, so our number three, we're going to dip into another type of multiverse. We are going to Extreme X-Men Earth 12025. Our number three couple is, of course, James Howlett and Hercules.
0: Yes.
1: Yes, such a sweet, supportive, complimentary couple. Also, who doesn't want to see two super hot burly men kiss? It's just like the most satisfying thing ever. And it's a great reminder that... Within the idea of the multiverse, we can see any two X people kiss that we want, right? <laughs> Every iteration of X couple does exist sometime somewhere, and they're doing great. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love them as a couple. And it's a crime that we don't have much with them Uh, it really is only the greg pack extreme x-men run and that 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 storyline has its ups and downs but i think if you are interested in dr strange and the multiverse of madness and you want to see how wild and weird marvel comics can get jumping over to the pack extreme x-men is a great place to have some fun Um, and and I think calling them complimentary, like like, that's the thing is they work so well. They're so highly functioning. And when you don't get more of that highly functioning relationship because narrative demands that we're going to shuffle these two off, it really feels like a blow. Like there's so much storytelling potential that we were robbed of because the Marvel comics decided we explored enough of that already. We had not.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I oh man, I'm so mad. I didn't even think of doing multiversal couples. That's <laughs> oh, that's such an inspired choice cuz like like you said, finding two characters who are just in their 616 forums complementary as people but don't really get enough like time together to see them then be complementary as partners is some of the most fulfilling stuff about the multiverse like when it comes to like the films and everything i feel like there is the potential for multiverse fatigue and i think that with the comics like there's so many wacky and amazing things that you can do with it and having that relationship i mean the extreme x-men run like you said is it's is a roller coaster both in <laughs> narrative and quality but something that pack does really well as a writer is character relationships. And I think the relationship between James and Hercules is something that I had never put together before seeing it. But afterwards, that's all I wanted out of that book.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, you always get that one splash page. If you look them up online, you go to Google images, you'll see the splash page of the two of them embraced as their history is being told. And, and you're like, Oh, like what a great image. And that's really it. Like, <laughs> like you you get pages of this relationship. You don't get issues. You get pages of this relationship, but it's so enticing.
0: Totally agree. Yeah. God, that's such a good, such a good pick. So we're heading into the home stretch here. Uh, number two, number two, I have never actually had a conversation with someone about, so I'm excited to see what, you think of this my number two tabitha smith and sam guthrie boom boom and cannonball are probably the deepest cut on my list i love them they are two characters who their powers complement each other very well their personalities are completely opposite you could not find two more different people than tabitha smith and sam guthrie especially if you factor in some of their most well-known runs like you you take any bit of next wave and you pair it up with any bit of that original new mutants run and you're like these characters have no right being anywhere near each other but (laughs) once they do get together once you get to see them interacting in that new mutants run it's magic man i enjoy couples, and maybe this is just because I am a diehard uh, Clark and Lois fan, but I love seeing the Himbo Boy Scout with someone who just does not take him seriously, and that might also be why Hercules is one of my favorite Disney films. And I love that good old boy Sam Guthrie is just trying his best, and boom boom, Tabitha Smith is laughing at him the entire time. They're able to not take each other seriously, they're able to have fun. You get to see, in a, in very real time, reading that New Mutants run after The after leaves the uh, the executioners, I think. The two of them are very different. They've run up against each other a couple times, but as they start to spend more time with each other, it's that classic young love. You get to see these, these people who could not be more different find similarities in each other. Um, like I said, they all, they check all the boxes for me when you have characters who are very different, who somehow complement each other with how different they are, opposites attract and all that, and I would absolutely go back and check out that new, new Mutants run. Specifically, Tabitha joins in uh, after the Inferno event. I don't remember exactly when that is, but it's after Inferno, and th- just that... I mean, that Louis Simonson run is incredible, so you should check that out regardless. But also, uh, when they kind of carry that through into X-Force with uh, Nicieza and Liefeld, they are the couple for that book. And so I, I really enjoy them together, obviously, because they, are, because they are so different and because of the nature of comic books. They aren't meant to last. She ends up hooking up with his best friend, which is all kinds of uh, soap opera. But seeing them again, it's an example just like with, with Kitty and Peter, loving each of them separately as characters and loving them just as much, if not more, together. So that's, that's my number two. That's a really good pick. And it's, it's it's a couple that I never
2: think about. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> you were not uh, alone.
2: I, you know, the New Mutants run, I read some of it when I was a kid, the Simonson stuff, but I didn't really get on to New Mutants until Liefeld joined. And I was like all in. At 13 years old, read an <laughs> X-Force. And I was deeply invested in their relationship. But when that relationship ended, like, I just, I never went back to it. And I don't think, Lisa, have you read any of that
1: stuff? I have not.
2: Like the New Mutants we should do sometime, I think. Um, but honestly, like the, the Cannonball relationship I'm uh, that I enjoy the most is his friendship with Sunspot. Of course. And, and how that has developed through mainly hickman's avengers run yeah uh i loved the two of those guys in that series you know we we could do a whole episode on their friendship as well if not multiple
0: episodes Uh, i would be the first one to listen to those episodes for sure (laughs) they they have the best bromance in comics
2: yeah i'll just i'll just say it. it it's right up there it's right up there
0: and even though like cannibal has ultimately he'd settled down with super giant they have a kid now that brought even more dimension to their friendship because now now sunspot has to be like oh i'm best friends with a guy who has a kid and that's always a really fun dynamic to explore
2: yeah and i think something that's always a stage in someone's life where like your friends start having kids and (laughs) you're like but i still want to be
1: Friends with I do want to see you every I, once in a while. I
0: just don't want to be friends with your little one.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: am. I am down to still play D anD D every Thursday, but I don't want. I don't want him playing. Yeah, so
2: true.
1: Awesome.
0: So yeah, that is that is my number two. What is your number two? I'm very curious.
1: Our number two, we're going to Generation X with oh, Nathaniel yeah. Carver and Benjamin Deeds, Hindsight, nice. and Morph. I fell in love with these two characters in Generation X. I am so heartbroken that we have not seen these two since. I imagine that they are very happy living quietly together somewhere in the universe. Um, but what I love about them, they're another couple where their insecurities complement each other, their powers complement each other. And my favorite X-Men is always in the context of school, where it is young people working out their relationship with themselves, with their powers, and also dealing with having crushes and I don't know if he likes me and (laughs) all of that kind of, I, I just find that so relatable and something I didn't get a lot of when I was in high school because I was not allowed to date <laughs> so like I get I get to kind of um, uh, like explore that dynamic from an outsider literary point of view um, and I and I just love them so much I particularly love the idea of hindsight and his power of getting in touch with someone's past and by knowing their past being able to empathize empathize I think that that is such like a beautiful gift
2: yeah and again it's a series where I think we only got 12 issues the Christina Strain run yes and like it ends and there is like well give us a hundred issues of this. There's <laughs> so much potential in all of those dynamics. I mean, it's such a great kissing comic, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> like yeah. students oh, sure. and teachers, and and how it you know extends the relationship of Jubilee and Chamber mm-hmm. in that storyline mm-hmm. is very tantalizing. Uh, and I, I I I wish more people had read it. I really do, uh, and because you don't really get any of those dynamics continuing after those 12 issues, and uh, I've said it before, but we were robbed of so much quality melodrama when Generation X ended.
1: That's like, like if you want to kill an X-Men book, just have Lisa Gullickson love it so much. Oh no. Like if I love something and I go like, yes, an X book that really speaks to me, like then it will immediately get canceled.
2: If you want oh, no. to experience Lisa at her most, righteous and furious give her a copy of silver surfer black which is a master <laughs> oh no <laughs> i love silver surfer i refuse
1: to read it you,
2: well you read the first issue i did
1: and i said and, no more the
2: casual not dismissal my
1: continuity
2: of don greenwood <laughs> in that series i have never seen lisa's face turn so tomato red with oh. rage
1: yeah just the the flippity flap of me throwing a, a single issue across the room
2: <laughs> look how gorgeous this comic is lisa tradmore he's a i have no
1: f's to give <laughs> <laughs> these pockets are empty of f's yeah
2: yeah yeah so <laughs> keep lisa away from your comics nonetheless. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but to your point like i i adore when the x-men are kind of used in that almost uh hogwarts model where it's Mm -hmm, like yeah we got to get these kids these crazy kids together you watch them grow that's that's something i loved about that wolverine and the x-men run because it was like oh yeah grumpy dumbledore and like we get to see all of these all of these kids and i will i will be the first to admit that generation x book i did not give it the reverence that it deserved at the time. Same. How dare you? But I know, I know. Neither
1: of us did you either. Did either I didn't know it existed. I <laughs> I'm going to travel to the past. That's what I'm going to use my one one trip to the past to do. Okay.
0: <laughs> That's a pretty good use, I think. You just you get you get back there, you'd buy up every single copy in every single shop and then
1: Are you are you reading Strange Academy? yes so that kind of fulfills that uh generation generation x void for me Absolutely. I know it's not an it's not an x Men book but it, it it's that it, same kind of idea
0: I don't know it's for me it's the closest you could get to that because mm-hmm. all of these kids inexplicably have powers they either you know either bargain for them or they were born for them that sounds like a generation x to me
1: yes yes and yeah, I, I mean-
0: adore that book
2: When I'm at my most flippant, I will tell people the best X-Men comic on the stands is Strange Academy, which is coming to an end or it has ended. It's because I love it it so much. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I, I think it's I think it's next issue. Like it's it's one of those books that I it's been a while since I've really had the ending of a book hit me Mm -hmm. and I I am praying to every voodoo god that they have in that book that it is you know the launching pad for them to do something else because we we've got room we've got room we had Scotty Young on our podcast yeah. to
2: chat about I Hate Fairyland. And he did say like the way they're treating it is like this is the end of a season and there will be more Strange Academy. But it's hard not to be cynical and be like, Are you lying to
0: me?
1: <laughs> oh. Are you totally. just telling me what I want to hear? Yeah.
0: Totally. I've I've had so many books that I have been so excited about that we're just gone after a couple issues. And I I am very bitter. So anytime there's a there's an inkling of like oh you know this book might be coming back we just might be doing a reprint it's like don't don't just do not give me the room to get hopeful because you're just gonna break my heart again Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but yeah, so uh, that is that is our number twos at the number one spot. The number oh, one, boy. this took me a while, and yet at the same time when I had the five, it took me no time at all. I have championed this comic couple for a good long while now, and it's Scott and Emma. Scott Summers, Emma Frost. All right. <laughs> I, have, I have been a schema guy for a very long time because, like Lisa, the first... Uh, X-Men comic that I really got into was that Astonishing X-Men run. I had been told about, you know, oh, you know how amazing this Grant Morrison run is, but I was was a stupid kid and I wanted the comic with the costumes. So, like, as a kid, like, getting into this and finding out, okay, this is the couple. This is the couple. And I, again, like, being influenced by you know, the Clark and Lois, the Hercules and Meg of my youth, I was very into this idea of these two characters who literally could not have anything less in common being pulled together. Opposites truly do attract, and this should not have worked. And for a lot of people, it did not work for them. But for me, as someone who got to watch this, Kind of develop in real time and then over the course of years and then just come crashing down it was one of the most beautiful tragedies i've ever seen in comics i really appreciate their relationship as part of the larger arcs for both of their characters as well emma coming from Everything that happened with Hellions and with that Grant Morrison-Genosha tragedy, watching her develop into maybe she's a good guy now, was fascinating. And I think a lot of that was owed to her interactions with Scott. Some of my favorite interactions in that book is Emma going, yeah, I understand that this doesn't make any sense. And I know that this is probably a very terrible idea. I don't know what I'm doing, but the heart wants what it wants. And I, I adore that dynamic also scott coming out of the 12 and how fun that book was for him the development that he had in grant morrison's run where they basically said what if scott but character development and (laughs) i watching the two of them made all the sense in the world even though their relationship came through infidelity whether it was psychic or physical and it is a sentimental choice obviously because this was kind of my first big uh comic book marvel couple i adored scott and jean in the animated series that was that was my go to i was always like you leave her alone wolverine but getting into <laughs> <laughs> my actual like comics reading like this was a this was a comic this was a couple that always gave the most dynamic choices when it came to the narrative they were completely wrong for each other at absolutely the right times for both of them in their character development and watching how they Interact, watching them completely just crash and burn during Avengers versus X Men. After this whole Utopia era of like, <sighs> yeah, they're supposed to be the et couple, even though Namor is absolutely a side piece, mm-hmm. and Scott is developing very quickly into a dictator. It was the right way that it should have ended, and watching it further into the. Uh, The Uncanny X-Men run where Scott's the revolutionary and him and Emma are completely not on the same page. All the way up to the one of my weirdest experiences reading a comic with Death of X. Uh, That book, even though it is not what I would refer to as a great comic, uh, even (laughs) though it has incredible art, has one of the most interesting choices for Emma Frost as a character. And even though obviously it didn't stick because death is a revolving door, I thought their relationship past that into the Krakoan era, especially with them being kind of healthy exes now, is really fascinating to me. They don't get a lot of play interacting with each other. Emma has had more time interacting with Jean in the Hickman era than with Scott. But anytime you do see them interacting with each other, I think it's really, really cool. Definitely check out the Morrison run. Check out that Astonishing X-Men run, strictly written and illustrated by John Cassidy. I, ugh, man, I I love both of those runs. They're near and dear to my heart. And that's probably why uh, Scott and Emma are my, my number one.
1: I think one of the things that has Scott and Emma so attracted to each other especially at times when Scott and Jean are on the rocks is they both have a certain amount of like self-loathing and I think that they find that very soothing where like Jean has a certain amount of like security like with herself and with her identity that I think that she finds like Scott's self-loathing a little bit unrelatable
2: yep yeah i mean like that's the appeal of scott and emma as a couple is their broken nature yeah honestly i feel like in a lot of ways scott and emma are the most relatable ex-couple because when they come together they're so broken right and they're on this redemption arc and they need each other to be better people and all of us at one point or another struggle with doubt, struggle with self-loathing, imposter syndrome, whatever. And you see all of that in Scott and Emma's relationship. And it is such a struggle. And yes, it is a little bit uncomfortable for longtime fans who have been with scott and gene who have determined that scott and gene are the greatest romance that has ever existed and anything that's a, a, a that's not that is an attack against that and therefore it's attack against me i understand <laughs> um and i understand why this relationship would be so painful but as i get older scott and emma become the couple where i go like well i don't know if i want to be them but I often feel like them <laughs> and I appreciate the journey that they are on.
0: So listeners, this is, this is why you, you, you listened. This is why you bring a Brad and a Lisa on because <laughs> I basically said, I like them because they're fun and I think that they're different people. And Brad just struck to the heart of why, why I love these characters without me being able to articulate it. So that is for for more of that seriously go check out their podcast like they're i i keep saying it but like legit like that's exactly why i probably adore them because as someone who has like struggled with insecurity with self-doubt i am somebody who i guess has always like been enamored with that in scott summers as a character and so that's yeah incredibly insightful
1: that the x-men just is a, a reminder that there is no one who is not redeemable yes you know if you can um clone your ex-wife into another woman give that person life <laughs> and a child and then leave them and still be a hero all of us are fine <laughs> all of us are redeemable and that's truly beautiful
0: uh yeah yeah oh, yeah i i couldn't say better myself
2: uh, you know Dallas from the Comics Collective podcast has is is also Team Schema all the Absolutely, way. Absolutely, he
0: is. That is and why we're friends.
2: Really wants us to cover them on the show, and I'm just so nervous to do so because you are inviting some really heated opinions to counter any positivity you throw towards schema
1: <laughs> ex-couples do that we never get more engagement on mm. twitter and with our episodes than when we are covering an ex-couple because x-men fans have opinions and thoughts yeah oh yeah, boy do that
2: yeah. and i love them i love I them, love them i love them but i think like schema would be a really good five-year anniversary couple Ooh, for yeah. couple, couples counseling. so we're not making any promises they're not coming anytime soon but they will appear at some point on CBCC.
0: You heard it here first, folks. We do exclusives now. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your number one?
1: We went Rogan Remy. Nice. And and the reason is like what what I enjoy about Rogan Remy. They also have um, very complementary energies, and they inspire change in each other where Remy helps Rogue kind of come out of her shell, see herself as attractive, see herself as interesting and outgoing. And she inspires stability in him and loyalty in him where uh, it had not existed in his past.
2: Yeah, and like, (laughs) you know, lust is such an important factor to their first early flirtations and- you know, that, that, you know, for like the teenage boy that I was, (laughs) Rogue being the character who wanted to reach out and connect with people, but because of her, uh, you know, I was gonna say ability, but because of her disability, she's not able to physically connect with anyone. And that emotionally felt so true to the teenage boy Lisa was not allowed to date. Brad was allowed to <laughs> date. He just didn't have many opportunities, um, and, and and so you know, experiencing Rogue when I was a teenager and her struggle to uh, be with other people, like it it felt so tangible. And and you then really like you rooted for those flirtations and those awkward sexual advances from gambit <laughs> like, <laughs> you rooted for them to connect and then so when they were finally allowed to through again story machinations it was such a triumph like when they finally became a couple and when they finally became a married couple uh when they picked up the ball dropped by peter and kitty uh, it felt like such a like a high five moment you, you you've been rooting for them for so long and the payoff was surprising but so satisfying and then what kelly thompson did with the rogan gambit series and yeah. the mr and mrs x stories those. they're for like sure. essential x couple reading highly recommend
0: yeah totally agree and i that marriage between the two of them is literally the only kind of like bandaid you could put on that Kitty and Colossus collapse. So yeah. the fact that that kind of rose out of that is really cool and a testament to their relationship as well.
2: And it's been kind of frustrating in the Krakoan era. <laughs> like, if I didn't say this, one of our friends, Apple Jay, would be upset. But like, you know, you have them in Excalibur and beyond But they haven't really figured out what to do with them as a functioning married couple. They've kind of been sidelined a little bit, and I, I, you know, as much as I loved what Hickman did in those early days with Krakoa, like I felt their loss. uh, Mm. You know, their their um, again. I'm going to use the word sidelining. Like it felt.
1: It it was was an obvious an obvious omission. Yeah, absolutely. it,
2: It felt like writers so often we talk about this on the podcast once a couple comes together that's often seen as the climax to a romantic comedy like oh they've made it and then if there's a sequel oh there's trouble in paradise they're arguing (laughs) they're gonna split up and telling a high-functioning married couple story for whatever reason seems difficult for people even though i think there's lots of examples in our lives that there are still exists in the high functioning
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's a little frustrating that they haven't put as much focus on it i have really enjoyed in the uh the duggan run of x-men how much focus that they have put on it especially with just how much mystique and destiny do not like gambit and they and destiny takes every pot shot that she can in conversations with rogue about like i don't that boy's not good for you and (laughs) it's it's something that i'm i'm excited to explore more and i do hope that they explore it more but yeah that is that is an excellent pick and i i they probably would have been like number six for me because they are they are incredibly strong and they have that history together how once again like how different they are at the outset and how each of them not only complements each other but also helps to develop them. Because some of the, you know, the most growth that I've ever had is in the relationship that I am in. And sometimes when you are able to find that and you're able to make that your, you know, not not necessarily like make your relationship your identity but have your relationship be a building block for you to enhance and grow your identity i think it's it's a recipe for a really great relationship
1: one of the things we talked about in this in our last episode about marco and alana and saga is like the best relationships are never relationships based on two people wanting to change each other but it's two people who are then in inspired to change themselves. Yeah. You when you're with someone that you go like, "I can actually be my best person with this other person." And that person like you always should be curious about your partner and your partner should be inspiring to you to be curious about yourself.
0: Yeah. That's oh god. Yeah. That that's so well said. Like it's watching a watching a relationship that you you're not sure because I don't, I, I don't know about both of you, but when I first like read or watched them in, interact, I'd never put any kind of weight behind it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you know, this, this guy's a rambling man, and he just like he doesn't says things. And <laughs> watching how that has kind of blossomed into that, especially climaxing in that Kelly Thompson run, which is incredible, and you should read it if you have not, listener. It's, it's something that isn't common enough, in especially in superhero media and comic books, having, like you said, a high-functioning couple that, yes, absolutely has trauma. Both of them have really sad backstories, but they are able to rise above that because of the ability to uh, to get strength and comfort from each other.
1: I also think that motivations to be together can change. I think that Remy, through his relationship with Rogue, has matured tremendously. (laughs) Yeah,
0: totally agree. So
1: I, I, I do see, I do think that initially he was motivated by the challenge of getting in Rogue's pants. Like that was really motivating for him at that time. But through their interaction, his motivations matured and evolved
0: absolutely so that is our i guess now technically top 10 there was a lot less crossover than i was expecting we really only crossed over with uh kitty and peter yeah i'm surprised i'm really surprised i was i was really i was really expecting to for us to at least have two or three but And, and i
1: know that listeners are going like they are they didn't cross over and still have glaring omissions yes oh
0: absolutely (laughs) and and that's you know i think something that's kind of magical about the x-men is that we have not even like cracked the surface of how many couples and how many great couples are in the x-men especially if you take into account like james and hercules the multiverse and all the stuff that happens out of that there are volumes of exiles that you can just dive into and find all kinds of relationships both good and very bad and it's something that i think isn't talked about enough especially when it comes to the x-men like at their heart they're you know they're just a bunch of crazy kids trying to fall in love and live in the world that they do and it's something that i have always found compelling and it's something that i am really thankful and grateful that i got to chat with you guys about
1: we've we've had the most wonderful time yeah it's been
0: a blast (laughs) so uh as we're wrapping up here i will uh leave the floor for the both of you if you want to plug if you want to talk about your show any cool stuff coming up feel free yeah uh
2: so head on over to comicbookcouplescounseling.com we're on all your favorite podcast apps hopefully Uh, you can find us on twitter and instagram at cbcc podcast like we said we just wrapped up our eight episode series on marco and alana in brian k vaughn and fiona Staples' saga it took many years to conclude that story uh they were actually the first non-Marvel or DC couple we covered way back when in 2019, and then now that the series is back, we wanted to catch up to where Saga is with that oh-so- horrible saga 54 ending and really <laughs> figure that out for us and what saga now means given where it left off and is back and and besides that we've been talking to some pretty cool comic book creators we had jeff lemire and andrea sorrentino on a recent yeah. episode i already mentioned scotty young but we also had chris and laura Somney talking about john and the impossible monsters yeah. and our next episode will be a conversation with the legendary cartoonist jeff smith talking about his new series Tukey, fight for family and fight for fire and uh yeah we talked some bone as well
1: (laughs) and then um on our patreon feed we are doing an issue by issue read of sandman right and we're enjoying that very much it's very sweatpants mode yes we uh (laughs) it's very rambly and we're making all kinds of errors yeah
2: yeah so there's what 76 sandman issues we've done 30 issues so far 30 episodes all on sandman
0: wow yeah and honestly like I have said it so many times in this episode, but genuinely, your podcast is one of my favorites. Every single week, like after finding out about your amazing show, like getting to get into the nitty-gritty of all these couples, like there is a certain there's a certain magic to finding a finding a show finding a person find a perspective that makes you change the way that you view a medium that you love and that's genuinely what their podcast has done so if you in any way like what i'm doing you are going to absolutely love what they're all about so subscribe to them download to them um follow them on the socials go subscribe to their patreon they are incredible uh they absolutely deserve every single listen download and subscription that they do get uh and i want to thank you both for coming on the show this is wonderful Ooh,
1: that was almost too sweet like my love <laughs> tank is <laughs> overflowing right now
0: yeah i couldn't i couldn't uh, look
2: down the barrel of the camera
0: <laughs> uh yeah so stay tuned more x may is on the way Oh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the month of May 4th, 2022. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we gotta take a look... Back, back, back in time with our Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last month. That's right. We had an entire month of comics that I didn't talk about. So I picked five that I really enjoyed from last month. And I think if you haven't already been reading them, you should absolutely be reading them. So the first one, uh, the most recent one, Rogues, Rogues number two, uh, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Leo Max rogues is incredible you need to be reading rogues it's so freaking good uh next up x-men red number one uh written by al ewing with art by stefano caselli this was another book that i was floored by um i didn't expect to love it as much as i was going to and that first there is a line from a character on the very final page if you read the issue you know what i'm talking about that i literally got goosebumps and sat straight up in my chair when I read it. So definitely pick that up. Also, uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 10. It's just, it's it's so good. Superman, Son of Kal-El is incredibly good. Written by Tom Taylor, art, art by Sian Tormi. It's, you need to be reading this book. Also, Batman, Superman, World's Finest. Uh, written by Mark Wade, art by Dan Mora. This was issue two. Just pure... Superman, Batman, it's so good. And then finally, we have the final issue of The Good Asian, Good Asian number 10, uh, written by Pornsock uh, Pachetcho with art by Alexandre Tfenki. Just an incredible book, man. This book, the entire story from start to finish, issue 1 to issue 10, has been dynamite. You need to be reading this book. You need to go back. You need to read all 10 issues of this. And thankfully, at the end of the last issue, I was so happy to know that Edison Hark's story will continue. Um, It's just good. It's just good comics. So check those out for sure. But that was last month, and now I've got five books for you to check out this week. We're going to kick things off with Batman number 123. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Trevor Harrison and Howard Porter. Uh, this is continuing the Shadow War story. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here Shadow War, part five. Batman and Robin are finally reunited. Together, they will hunt for the truth behind the death of Ra's al Ghul. But then who's left to defend the secret society against the League of Shadows? Deathstroke's fight against the demon's shadow ends with a shocking cliffhanger. Plus, what happens when you get Deathstroke infected with Joker toxin? Find out in the epic backup story. So yeah, Batman number one twenty three. I'm just kind of waiting at this point for issue one twenty five for that next changeover because I'm not, I'm not super invested in Shadow War. I hate to say it, but it just doesn't really. um, I don't, I don't really love it. So that's just me though. If you're loving Shadow War, all more power to you. Next up we have Iron Man number nineteen. This is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Kafu. He came back kafu came back for the last issue of course this is the final issue of the tony versus korvac story the book obviously is continuing into issue 20 and beyond with the wedding of uh, tony and patsy on the way but this is going to be wrapping up this uh first big arc for christopher cantwell's iron man so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here the last midnight At last, the stunning conclusion of the books of Korvac. Tony Stark must face Michael Korvac once again, and once and for all. No cosmic powers, no allies or henchmen, and no armor. This is the very end of a very long and very rocky journey. Tony's going to have to get by on his own blood, sweat, and tears. For the first time in in his life, he's all out of ideas. Man, really, I mean... This story has not gone anywhere close to how I thought it was going to go. If you remember, if you go back in the archives, you listen to me talk about the first issue for this. I was like, yeah, I'm really excited for this to be back to basics, you know, kind of whittling down Tony's super tech stuff to make him a little bit more grounded. And then Iron God came along. So, I mean, I'm very impressed with how engaging the story has been even though it's taken tony in a completely different direction than i was expecting and i am hoping for a pretty bombastic finale next up we have firepower number 20 this is written of course by robert kirkman with art by chris somny firepower is so good man firepower rules and now we've got a giant dragon taking out different cities in the world so giant dragon what more could you ask for let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here Old friends, new allies. The fight against Master Shaw is heating up and Owen will need all the help he can get. Issue 19 also revealed a brand new character who is the coolest looking character in the entire series so far. So I'm very excited to see what happens next in Owen's battle against Master Shaw. Next up, we have another Batman book, Batman Killing Time number 3. Written by Tom King, art by Dave Marquez... What more can I say? It's an all-star lineup when it comes to the creative team. The book I was not expecting to really enjoy more than it being, you know, a The Batman tie-in, but gorgeous art, great writing. It's a heist story. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. A shocking heist has the mysterious and deadly figure called the Help, cutting his way through Gotham City in search of Catwoman and the Riddler, and their stolen artifact. Only the Dark Knight stands between this strange new villain and his prey, but can even Batman stop his bloody rampage? Tick-tock, the clock is drawing nearer to the killing time. So this is issue three of six, we're at the halfway point, I've been really enjoying it, so I think you should be picking it up, for sure. But the big book of the week for me, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Ben Reilly Spider-Man number four. Written by J.M.D. Mateus with art by David Baldione. If you were upset at all by what happened at the end of Beyond, well, this should treat you better. I... It's funny because I I went on the break just as Beyond wrapped up, so I didn't really get time to actually like talk about it. Beyond was this incredible story that I wish hadn't gone the way that it did. I loved everything leading up to the finale. I even think the first, you know, the majority of that issue really felt right with the progression of the story with how much beyond was screwing around with ben but this whole chasm thing i'm just not super into ben's always kind of been a tragic character but i feel like they doubled down on it instead of trying to tell a more compelling story they're like no let's just make him a villain so i'm not super about that i have you know, reservations about where they go from here, of course, but at least I have this book. I know it's only a limited series, don't, don't harsh my vibe on that. Five issues is not nearly enough, but I will cherish these five issues with all of my heart. And thankfully, we still got another one after this. Issue four, let's dive into the synopsis here. The past kills. Ben Riley has finally come face to face with the true villain behind his torment. And you're not going to believe who it is. Watch as a failure from Ben and Peter's past comes to haunt the life of Spider Man. So, yeah, this is taking place back during the sensational era where Spider Man was Ben Riley in the best Spider Man costume. You can fight me on that. But I am, I've been loving this. I've been loving the focus on Ben's mental health. I've been loving this cat and mouse game he's been playing and with all of this weird stuff going on i'm very excited to get to the bottom of this mystery but that does it for this week's comics countdown it's been a while it's been a little bit and it felt good to go through these again so to recap we have batman number 123 iron man number 19 firepower number 20 batman killing time number three and ben riley spider-man number four and that is going to bring us to the wrap up. If this is your first time joining us on the Explained podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and especially subscriptions really does help me out, and really helps the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space. We are officially in Volume Five, and I'm hoping to make this the biggest volume yet. So every little bit helps. Every single like, every single retweet, every single uh, recommendation, every single review, subscription—they all really do help and kind of raise our stock up and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners. Just like you. And if you give us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can join the likes of our dirty dozen that being Cfire ND, Josh Rapace, Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, A and, and Sass. And joining their ranks is one Jedi Jesse 20. His review review reads, Eric is my go-to guy for comics. Whenever I'm listening to this podcast, it always makes me want to jump into whatever comic books he's talking about. I enjoy his reviews, news, and especially his special Pitch It segments. Definitely worth a listen. Wonderful guy with a wonderful podcast. He knows his stuff, and he has even helped me find comics that I specifically would be interested in and has never disappointed. Uh, Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you. Good brother. Good friend of the podcast, um, yeah i I am very thankful for anyone who has taken anything positive away from this podcast. Uh, huge. Thank you to Jesse. Thank you to all of our now Red 13 for their amazing reviews and ratings. And I cannot wait to hear yours. Also, if you want to write to the podcast, if you have a question for me, you have a message for the podcast, you want some recommendations maybe on something we haven't covered yet. Or maybe you want a quick picture of my thoughts on something that's happened lately. You can write to the podcast. Just send me an email to geeksplained at gmail.com and put mailbag in the subject header and I will read it here and answer any questions, read any messages and all that stuff. I do read everything you send to me, so I appreciate those that have sent their stuff in. Um, It's amazing. It's amazing getting that kind of love from you guys. So again, if you want to have your email read here on the podcast, email me geeksplained at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header. If you want to follow up with the podcast, if you want to keep up to date with me, if you want to participate in future polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit on the latest geeky news, you can follow the podcast at Geek Explained Pod. That's at Geek Explained P O D on Instagram and Twitter. And finally, if you are unaware, even though we took a month off for the main podcast, the book club's been going strong. And. Man, oh man, the book club has taken quite the turn with Ultimate Spider-Man every single Friday. I, alongside my amazing friends, Jacob Brown and Malcolm Russell Nelson, have been going through every single issue of every single volume of Ultimate Spider-Man. We just had one of the most batshit Volumes I have ever read of a Spider Man comic, and the fun is continuing on. So tune in for that this Friday and every Friday for the Geek Explained Book Club. Be there or be square, not a circle. And lastly, lastly, I just wanted to say another huge thank you to Brad and Lisa Gullickson of the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast for. Coming on the show is our first guests for this year's X-May. It was a bucket list podcast guest to get them on. I've been a huge fan of their show. If you couldn't tell how I spent half of this entire podcast just praising them and talking up how great they are. It is absolutely well deserved though they're incredible. I will put their podcast in a link to subscribe to them in the show notes for this and of course you can find them anywhere you find podcasts. They're incredible. They've got some great stuff. Go check them out. This was a wonderful way to kick off X May and X May's just getting started. X May is continuing on for the entire month and next week we are going to be doing something pretty exciting here we're gonna be bringing back dallas ann and lexi of the comics collective podcast as we rebuild the x-men for 2022 so tune in for that next week same geek time same geek channel but for now for geeksplain this has been eric kazana thank you very much for listening stay safe and we will see you next time